everyone, and welcome to episode 284 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Red Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday morning, Richard? It is going well. How are you doing, Seth? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited to talk about some magic, even though there's not a ton to talk about this week. It's kind of, I don't know, the calm before the storm, and we're going to have, like, Double Masters and then Zedekar, so this is kind of a bit of a lull, but we still have uh, some sweet topics and plenty of fish mail. But before we get to that, we have another co-host in Krim. How are you today, Krim? Morning, Seth. <laughs> uh, it's been It's been a fun week. I've been playing a lot of standards, so... well. That's good, because uh, our topics this week, as I mentioned, a little bit of a slow week, so we want to do kind of a standard update, talk about some changes in standard over the past week. Uh, also might hit on a couple other random topics, like uh, <laughs> foods we've eaten recently, I guess, or Prim <laughs> and I have eaten recently. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have some time, so we'll get through a bunch of fish mail questions this week. But before we get into that, uh, our sponsor this week is Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell magic cards. And if you're looking to avoid all the hassles of selling your cards, which I can tell you from experience, it takes a lot of work to sort uh, all your cards. You got to ship all your cards. You got to type them into a buy list. Card Conduit, they take care of all that for you. Just ship it over to Card Conduit, brought to you by the folks over at Card Hoarder, and they will sort and grade and sell your magic cards. And once your shipment is processed, you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee. And right now you can get a 10% discount by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show today. And let's talk some magic. Let's start off with uh, with standard. So we talked a lot of standard last week. Uh, so we're not going to rehash all of M21 standard. Kind of know what it's about. But what is different? What has developed in the standard format in the past week? Oh, man. there's There's been a lot. I've been seeing a lot of uh, attempts at, I think, mono black aggro. It's it's been oddly popular. I've played against it a decent amount. And other than that, I've played against a bajillion Bant and Sultai decks. But in between that, it's cool to see that there is somewhat of an aggro deck. Yeah, like I'm seeing a lot of like, you know, Rotting Regisaurs or there's like Rakdos aggro where it is Rotting Regisaur trying to equip an Embercleave. Rotting Regisaur with Embercleave is a pretty frightening clock. Yeah, that that's kind of been my impression of the format too is last week uh, the story was definitely like the mid-range decks, Ugin decks kind of dominating the format. And this week, for me, I think the story is... Aggro decks trying to fight back. You mentioned Mono Black Aggro. They actually had uh, the most recent challenge on Magic Online. Rakdos Aggro or uh, Mono Black Aggro was actually the most played deck, and there's also uh, some Mono Red Aggro decks in there as well. So it seems like this is the rise of Aggro to try to get in under the Ugans and the Elspeth Conquerors deaths and just the insane late game of the mid-range slash ramp spells. I think the question is... Uh, will this actually work? Like, I think it works right now if, uh, like, your mid-range decks are really focused on fighting other mid-range decks. If your Bant decks, though, start playing more sweepers or whatever, like, are we just going to see Mono Black Aggro, like, fade away just as quickly? It feels like uh, the cards in, like, Bant Ramp are just so strong, and they have so many options that if they want to be aggro, they can. They just haven't needed to be aggro. So is, is this a case where we're actually seeing aggro become a legitimate part of the metagame? Or do you think they are exploiting these uh, mid-range ramp decks that are, like, tuned to fight each other and not especially worried about aggro because aggro hasn't been a big part of the metagame. I mean, I, 
they don't really need to. You you kind of have rock paper scissors where you have aggro decks. Uh, so mono black is the new hotness, but we've always had mono red. Uh, so mono black, I guess the the goal is to demonic embrace your rotting register and just like tend someone in the face uh, instead of trying to assemble enough weenies to ember cleave. You just like try to combo someone like that. But we saw the rise of aggro this weekend, and where aggro rises, sacrifice rises. Right, like good luck getting your rotting register claimed, getting smacked for ten in the face, and then getting it sacrificed afterwards. So it we do have this terrible rock paper scissors where aggro decks raced to fight bant decks, but then Jun sacrifice comes in to wreck any aggro deck, and then bant just like walks over Jun sacrifice. So I, I don't, I don't know if it's healthy, but like it, it's kind of. A three deck metagame where you have rock paper scissors and like I guess team I guess team Erect is kind of in the same boat as as Bant there, yeah. But it's just the race of like who can combo kill someone first, right? Like I, I don't know. Ah, uh, I mean I've actually been seeing a ton of also uh, mobilized districts. I, I I've been seeing that that <laughs> card all over the place, and I'm just like, wow, that's it's actually kind of annoying to deal with, right? Because like you can't just pick it off with like a, a shatter to the sky. So, like, the, the, the thing here is I, I've been seeing that card and it's been doing a lot of work and I, I you know, is, is that card good? Like, ag- like these aggro decks, like mono black and whatnot, even, I saw it in a few mono red and, like, mono green decks. It's just, like, it, mobilized district is hard to remove. So many decks right now are very greedy and not really running that much, like, instant speed interaction. It's just, like, sweepers, Oath of Kaya, stuff like that, and, like, I don't know. It's not, like it just gets around all of that. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny too. Uh, Mobilized District uh, gets a reduction on its activated cost based on the number of legends uh, you control, legendary creatures and planeswalkers. And most of the decks that are playing this are not really taking advantage of that. Like Mono Black has Rankle, I guess, yeah. but really, it's people are just like paying full price four mana to activate my creature land and apparently it's working uh so that is definitely interesting i also think this week maybe my favorite part is uh it kind of maybe has vindicated my uh love and support of demonic embrace i know that was a card that during spoiler season i was like tweeting about and i had it on my top 10 standard list and i couldn't understand why more people are not hyped about it like to me it seems like an incredibly powerful card and that is like the key piece of these mono black aggro decks being able to send your rotting registrar or whatever to the sky your Knight of the Even Legion and close out the game really quickly. So it's been cool to see that card kind of take off a little bit in the mono black deck as well. I, I've seen that. Like for me, I'm still not sure how good mono black aggro is, but I can tell you that I, I've seen that in Pioneer, uh, Demonic Embrace in mono black aggro there. So it, I, I think it's actually like insanely strong in Pioneer. Like holy cow, people still play Pioneer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's it's weird. I don't know. I mean, and like, and the people that do, they're they're playing like mono black aggro, and there's a lot of demonic embrace there. So, where do you think standard goes from here? Uh, what do you think we're talking about a week from now when we're kind of recapping standard? Uh, so, th- this was aggro's week. Are you expecting when we talk about the tournament results next weekend, we're going to be back to mid range being on the top of the meta in uh, Ugins and those type of cards, or? Uh, do you think we're still going to be talking about aggro decks uh, winning the battle? Much like Richard said, is at any point once uh, aggro goes on the rise, Jun Sacrifice and all the cat decks come back, and they come back 
in, in like full force, right? So I, I'm not. It, it feels real bad having your stuff stolen and then getting hit by like yeah, like Richard said, your 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 Regisaur or you know anything like that. So it does not feel great. Yeah, I, I'm done with standard. I'm I'm ready for preview season. <laughs> uh, I I don't. I don't know like how what you guys think. Like I'm thinking of myself at like the evolution of a magic player and what I expect Watsy to do to keep me entertained. But basically, last week I tried to grind my way to Mythic. I didn't understand that the ladder reset, so I was like D1 on the day of the ladder reset. I'm like, the ladder resets? This is like stupid. But I guess I should have known this. But I have like, you know, I play like a billion matches and all my matches are against like Bant Ramp, uh, some aggro deck or team or wreck or gen sacrifice and that's it that's the metagame and if i continue to play standard this week or next week it's just the same cards over and over and over again which i already played through last standard you know we played how many decks but had fires invention how many decks that had uro i'm just like done with it right like it's not there's not enough depth to keep playing and grinding so i don't know i really feel like i'm done with m21 standard even though it's literally been like seven days or something since the set released and I don't know why you would continue playing standard. Like, it's just the same matches over and over again. It's not like modern where, yeah, even though we like complain about the metagame, like when you queue up for a league, you play many different decks, right? There'll always be that guy trying to make Tarmogoyf work in 2020, right? So you'll play, <laughs> you'll play against Jun, you'll play against Boggles, you know, even if the most dominant deck is, you know, insert the new hotness, you'll play against these weird obscure decks. Whereas, on arena i don't really see obscure decks and if they show up they get steamrolled so fast like it doesn't matter so i don't know i just get bored of standard really quickly i i i don't know i mean like i I don't mind if there's like a three four deck meta i think the issue though is just the patterns of play are most of them just cheat on mana wilderness reclamation is cheating on mana cultivate ugin i mean cultivate nissa uro all leading into like an ugin on turn four or five eight mana really feels like four or five mana right now right and and, and five is just like well nissa is just the best three mana planeswalker <laughs> the, the the thing here is uh, the, i think it's the patterns of play that make standard a little bit exhausting right now it's a little bit exhausting just constantly having to deal with that and like if you don't have an efficient way to like get rid of uro or get under like get around it like you it's hard to out aggro them right you can't go underneath that i will i will also say that i think even when standard is good or uh in better places than it has been in the last year summer is usually kind of a dead time like that's when you have all the cards you've seen the same decks for a long time collect a company is 40 percent of the matter rally the ancestors is 40 like this always happens in summer. So yes, the whole like year of standard has had lots of ups and downs and not been great. But in some sense, that doesn't feel too much different to me than a normal sun, uh, summer when summer is just a time when standard gets old for me. And I'm looking forward to rotation. For me, the good news is, uh, and much like you, Richard, I love the, the openness and the different decks you see in modern. The good news for me is, uh, as far as arena is concerned, we have jumpstart releasing in two weeks and 
historic kind of gives me that feeling that you were talking about in modern, where if you play the historic ladder, yeah, you'll see mono red a decent amount. You'll see Simic Nexus a decent amount, which I would still think that should be banned. But historic does have that feeling where you see a whole bunch of different decks and you got people trying all different kinds of things. And I think that's even going to become much more like that once Jumpstart dumps all these new strategies and powerful new cards into the format. So I think that's, that's kind of my, my haven on arena. Like I still love modern, play that on Moto a lot, but I've really been enjoying historic a lot and I think I'm going to enjoy it even more. So maybe, I don't know. Have you tried historic Richard? Like, do you have any interest in, uh, in trying to get your modern fix with the historic format on arena? So I, I get my magic fix by playing, uh, limited. So, but I'm like almost done limited too. Like my collection is like filled out. So like there's no point in playing limited because there's no phantom limited, but historic, I'm, I'm going to try out at one point or another. I just don't want to get Ugin'd. Uh, <laughs> and also because jumpstart is coming soon. I want to wait for that before I start wasting my wild cards building decks, but I'm still not convinced that historic is the answer to anything because it's a brewer's paradise right now because the pros haven't gotten their hands on it. We haven't solved the metagame, but I'm really curious what happens after the first kind of big event and the metagame solidifies. And, you know, if you're playing jank and you go against a tier one deck, you have no chance. You get blown away. So the metagame will kind of solidify around that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but the good news with historic is they can keep adding cards at will. We're not restricted uh, like standard where you have to wait for a new standard set or anything. They can just be like, look, historic anthologies 3.5 tomorrow, 10 new cards, right? Or we're suspending cards tomorrow. Like, let's go. So maybe that will save the format, but I don't know. From the people that brought you standard, they're bringing you historic. Like, how do you feel about that, right? At least modern, we're like, okay, Watsy from like 20 years ago has some <laughs> input into this format, right? From the cards they made that long ago. So they're influencing it. Today, it's just all new playtest design team and stuff. On, on historic so hmm. <sighs> yeah I, i'm pretty sure the pros will just like get eventually get to the point where they all just play the the nexus deck with like you know a few discontinuities in it right or or uh the two mana green creature that gets an additional two two when you draw like your second card each turn like so far that's just been the best of three meta but if uh, like I, I i've been kind of just going into best of one just for like my sanity when it comes to like historic because I cannot deal with Nexus in best oh, of three. Nexus is banned in best of one. Yeah, yeah. So like I've been <laughs> doing just like hey, the, like it just feels so much better playing best of one right now, just because you can get away from all of that. I also got to say that's like absurd that it's not banned in historic, but it's banned in one part. Like it's the same format wizards like come on now just ban it in best of three be done with it like if something is problematic enough that you gotta ban it in best of one just bite that what is the value of leaving nexus around like why yeah. like it adds this confusion it makes a three, BNR. Seth, you can sideboard against nexus <laughs> yeah but it, it everyone hates nexus in best of three too like it is it is a reviled magic card nexus i i will say i think that's the card that like kind of saved Teferi. Like, if it wasn't for Nexus being so miserable, people would have been way more upset about Teferi when it was in Standard. Like, Nexus might be the most hated card that's been printed in the last two years, and there's been a lot of hated cards. So, I really hope they ban it. And I, I think the biggest argument for me is they have the Mythic Invitational coming up in August. And oh, yeah. 
if you want to, like, people are hyped for this format, and the way to kill that hype and to make people not interested is have people turn into this Mythic Invitational and watch it be endless Nexus mirrors, because no one is going to spend their weekend watching people loop Nexus of Fates. Like, I, I, that's just, that's not, that's not an option. So I'm, I really hope that they get rid of it. I think that would definitely improve the format. Yeah. Yeah. And, and... To kind of like go back a little bit on what you said, I think normally right now with it being summer and all these magic cards, I I realized this is normally a time where like I would be reminiscing and enjoying and missing cards that are about to like rotate out of standard. <laughs> but I realized this this summer, right? I don't think I miss a single card from like like I don't feel like I'm going to miss anything. I mean may- maybe three fairy but like that's that's about <laughs> it, right? Like <laughs> you can tell immediately who's not an aggro player when yeah, you miss three yeah. fairy. <laughs> I I I I'm going to miss three fairy but like that's about it. And I think that you know like before I'd be like oh man Eat, like Jace living or like you know like not living guild pack <laughs> architect of thought <laughs> uh, like I, I would miss those cards or Sphinx's revelation you know a dig through time perilous vault Ashiok all those cards right but like and there were so many but then this year I'm just like please just just did rotation happen yet yeah <laughs> M- move it up a little like yeah, can we rotate like, in August instead of September please seriously <laughs> please just because like I, I I really cannot stand the the, the play pattern but. At the same time, I've had success because uh, I, I think, Richard, you like had mentioned how, you know, like you still can't do too many crazy brews without getting stomped. But uh, I've been playing a lot of Esper Bolas and like I, it, even even like Gabriel Nassif came by and uh, my channel and, and has been playing the deck. And he said that it's been insanely powerful. So it, and I guess the way to play right now is to beat the sand like those Bant decks and those Saltai decks is to go greedier than those decks. Where yeah. it's just it's just like ridiculous. I, I I I mean like the mana base may seem a little crazy at first, but on top of that, you're just playing nothing but planeswalkers. They they play their ECD cool. Planeswalker like thirteen has now like next up in queue, right? And then <laughs> and if they commit to the board, then you Ugin. And and I know my chat. Everybody like hysterically laughs at it because they're just like, hold on. I don't think Krim even casted a single ramp spell. He just hard casted an Ugin for eight mana. <laughs> it, How did it's you like, survive that long? <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know, right? It's just but honest the magic. Is not, <laughs> the problem is not winning, though, right? It's the problem is like, are you having fun? And I guess as a mid-range player, I'm like inherently screwed here in standard because we can't play mid-range. But you can. <sighs> Super friends. <laughs> I, I was playing Azorius Flyers, and my win rate was like pretty insane. Like I, I made it to like D one from whatever you started, like bronze. If you haven't played it yeah. in a while, in like two days, right? Like I had a crazy win rate with Azorius Flyers because I was just like one drop, one drop, one drop, rally wings, you're dead, or one drop, one drop, one drop, counter your sweeper, rally wings, you're dead. And basically, you just auto-lose to sacrifice decks, but then you eat up everyone else. <laughs> and it, I, I was, it was going nuts. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to go double mythic, right? And then ladder reset, because I didn't know it reset. And I'm like, oh, I have zero desire to play now, right? There's only so many Uros I can beat. Like, even if I'm winning, <laughs> like, I just, it's just not fun, right? Because it's like you said, the same pattern over. I just drop all my one drops. Hope I get my combo finish, which is a rally of wings or a counter spell for the shatter. If I get it, I win. If I don't, 
I lose. And then repeat, rinse and repeat. And even if I'm successful with that, it's still kind of boring, right? I kind of like the the mid-range games, right? Where you like grind people out. You always feel like you have a chance. You're playing interactive magic. And then you have a wide variety of cards you can use in your sideboard uh, at like, you know, two to four CMC because you're, you're mid-range good stuff. You can just do whatever you want. Uh, and then get people with like sideboard cards, right? But now all the sideboard cards are the same. It's like Ether Gust, yes, right? <laughs> like uh, whatever the red, the decree or whatever, the white one, right? It's like Does everyone has decree? the same sideboard cards, yeah. So it's just like there's, there's nothing original, right? Like my most original thing is like I'll, I'll get them with a Safara or something, right? It's like it's I don't know, it's just not fun. <laughs> but I'm complaining. But- give me give me some mid range things where I can like sideboard. <laughs> I want to sideboard an Ashiok, right? Like, that's what I want to do, right? But, like, you just can't afford to play these regular cards. Like, all your cards need a combo finish your opponent or else nothing happens because he just gets wiped by Ugin. But but Thought Distortion is good. <laughs> Isn't that it card is. fun? It's like, they're, like, I'm telling you this. Here, I dropped a, the, the link to the... Uh, the uh, Super Friends deck and Elder Spell is good, right? I've been main decking that. You know how many games <laughs> you- I've, I've won with... "Quote unquote standard Splinter Twin, aka Nico Bolas and the Elder Spell." So, so, so Crim's idea of a good time includes four Narsets, four to fairies, one Kaya, an Ugin. I think it's six to fairies technically with a Master. Of time <laughs> oh oh in yeah, there. yeah, Master of Time is in there. Nico Bolas Extinction Event. I'm like. Yeah, this, look at that. Look. I, I consider you Bant Ramp, okay? What? <laughs> You're whoa, like the same. No, 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 no. I am playing Honest Magic here, okay? <laughs> honest what? Magic what? for one what? Planeswalker just snowballs the game out of control. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you yeah. can't do anything. Yeah, and I mean, we, we auto-lose to, like, Mono Blue or any, any deck that plays, like, you know, cheap counter spells. But, but like... This is honest magic. You're looking at peak honest magic here. Look at that. That is eight mana, and that is an actual eight mana card. Like, I I don't I don't know about uh, our current standard world. If all the plane all the stacks planeswalkers are 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 considered honest magic. Oh my goodness! And he has yeah, a companion to throw that. in there. He's just yeah, like Yorion. Sure, why not? Right? Why not? It's definitely a crim pile, right? But the thing here is. <laughs> it's so it, like it does feel good like this is a one of those decks that you're talking about you know you're, you're grinding you're playing these matchups and you know you have something to do at almost every turn like every draw step uh obviously planeswalkers <laughs> are good with that but like being able to win and like i think one of the best things in the world is playing or at least in this current standard is playing nico bolas and you show them elder spell game one and then the the amount of like respect they have to have to go, I I can't commit more than like one planeswalker or else I'll die <laughs> out of the blue. So sometimes I'll just like hold a, like a land or something and make them respect it. <laughs> I, I do like Elder Spell though. It is one of the ways to control our planeswalker heavy meta. Yeah, uh, but I, I feel Wizards has been trying to make planeswalker removal, but they all like suck. I think the the one for Death Touch is their latest attempt. It's like somehow, uh, but like currently, you just like spill a bunch of planeswalkers on the battlefield, and like no one can do anything about it aside from Elder Spell. Yeah, uh, but like just like a two mana two two or something that ETB kills or neuters a planeswalker or something like that. Like we need more. Oh, we we do things the, like that. The, the Eidolon. 
the two one from Theros. They pay one oh, more yes. to activate. Yes, you have to pay <laughs> one mana now. <laughs> we no, we need like vampire hex mage, like something like that would yeah. do it. Like vampire hex mage would be decent, or vampire hex mage with an ETB rather than sacrifice. Like that, I think would be pretty good. I guess questing beast <laughs> is like Nissalix. the most successful answer to planeswalker. I think we have. But Bant decks have started to just throw that randomly in the main deck, and I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. Wait, what? Why do we have a quest? mirror. Piece? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so it's kind of wild. So other other standard question I wanted to ask you guys before uh, we move on to other stuff. What do y'all think of Uro? I realized this weekend because uh, Uro shot up to sixty dollars now. Oh. So I was looking at some of the the data on Uro, and it's currently. Most played creature in standard, 49% of decks. It is currently the most played creature in modern, 25% of decks. And it is currently technically the second most played creature in legacy, although really the number one is Plague Engineer, which is pretty much just a sideboard card. So number one most played main deck creature, I would say, in legacy and 19% of decks. Is Uro just too good? Like, I'm surprised we haven't heard Uro be a card that people focus in on as far as, like bannings and so forth like what what do you think of the power level of uro uh i mean yeah that definitely seemed like a pretty powerful card i think at spoiler season right when we had talked about it then and now it's just like it's taken over it's taken over right like the the card is just too good right it does i i think i think at spoiler season we were we already knew it was good but i think we still undervalued how like like you know i mean like it's the the life gain is huge the ability to constantly bring it back and like you know refill like it's not hard to fill our graveyard right like one like it feels terrible when they just have a tamio not because they can minus and get something back but because they could just plus and then you have to deal with uro for the 19th time <laughs> and, and like uh like them drawing a card like, I, I i'm just i don't want to see uh like another draw ramp kind of like like hard for quite some time like like uh explore growth spiral and definitely it much it feels much worse when now it's attached to a six six that also does the same thing again when it attacks i feel we give earl a pass because it's a creature but earl feels like a planeswalker to me right like it comes in and it generates like five for one value and you have to immediately answer it and in this case it's like exile from graveyard or something like that right like you you can't answer it in the traditional ways but it just feels like imagine your opponent turned three to fairied and you didn't remove it or you didn't you didn't deal with it right like that's the kind of value that uro adds except it also kills you like with combat damage instead of an ultimate so i feel we give it a pass because it's a creature but it feels just as oppressive as some of these other planeswalkers well, but does it need to be banned i don't know about that I mean, it, it's it. It feels a little bit better though, right? Like, let's say I just counter your planeswalker, and that's it. Uh, once I deal with it, it doesn't constantly come back. Uro is like what Elspeth wanted to be, right? <laughs> like when you say planeswalkers, like you know yeah. what I mean? Like that escape ability, just constantly bringing it back is disgusting. Yep. So yeah, that that is part of what makes it so hard for sure. Just the recursive nature of it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to see a ban, but it is definitely, I mean, it's probably the best card in standard, really. Uh, like, it doesn't get the, it's not as flashy as like, oh, I play Ugin and I win the game or something like that. But it really is the deck that I think, or the card that powers all of those decks. And if it wasn't for uh, Uru and Grow Spiral, 
I don't know where things would be at. I think that at least maybe the ramp tax would be a little bit fair. Like, if after rotation people have to, like, I don't know, cultivate an Azusa, like, at least there's cost. You know, like, all of your ramp is not also drawing you cards. So, I don't know. I, I kind of am coming around to the idea that maybe Uro is a card that people are going to be tired of having in standard. Uh, especially since it doesn't rotate in the fall and it's going to be around for another, another year and a half, but I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. But I think it is the, the like hidden power of a lot of standard decks, uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't take the heat. Like it's the, the finishers that people focus in on so much. But even like the wilderness reclamation decks, so many of those decks are really, it's Uro that's making the degenerate stuff happen or keeping those decks alive against aggro long enough to let it happen or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like it does, it does feel like the backbone of most of these blue green X decks, right? Like, if you're in Simic, it doesn't matter what game plan, it's an auto-include into those decks, just because it does everything. We need more power creep. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so you, you know how So you know how discard spells now are starting to get additional abilities, like uh, exile a card from your hand or graveyard, in case they're like, uh, you know, hellbent? Now we'll, we'll reprint Fatal Push, okay? You kill something, and then you may exile up to one card from any graveyard. <laughs> and so then your then opponent you- discards. <laughs> One card at, ran- at random. Discards. Yeah. Or no, just- no. And then if your opponent had a had a land enter the battlefield this turn, they like sacrifice two lands. <laughs> Honestly, I I would like to see more discard at random effects come back. <laughs> oh, you want him to Torak? I <laughs> yeah. see. I yeah. see where you're going. I, uh, I I'm, I'm down with this. Right. Like I mean, at this point, if if everything is so redundant, like I don't even know if it's that good. Right. Like I I. <laughs> I think we had mentioned it last week, right, Seth, where, like, you go Thought Erasure, and you look at someone's hand, and their hand is like, Nissa, Nissa, Elspeth Conquers Death, <laughs> Ugin, it's like, and just, I'll concede. <laughs> like, yeah. two mana, I'll, I'll just lose the game. <laughs> May as well just bring Discard at random. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd also like to see, like, Swords to Plowshares, or at least Path to Exile. Like, I actually think... I actually think those are the type of answers that maybe the threats that we are having standard right now demand. Do you think that would be healthy for standard? Like, I used to think, oh, it would just be too good. But now I'm kind of like, actually, maybe, like, that's exactly what we need is that That's level exactly what Bant Ramp will use to protect their Teferi, right? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> what I want to see is, like, conditional Planeswalker removal. Like, a fatal push for Planeswalkers. Where, like, one mana destroy a three CMC or less planeswalker, something like that. Like, I don't want them to get more tools to remove any. Do you really want them to path your questing beast? Like, what are you gonna, (laughs) what are you gonna use to kill anything now, right? Hmm. I I guess it gets rid of Uro. That's where you're going with that, right? You get to exile Uro. And random gods and But they get a land, so they're, they're actually up two lands. (laughs) Do you want that? Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Well, at a minimum, play more scavenging uses. Every time I've played or played against scavenging use, it's looked insane, but people don't play it that much for some reason. It's so yeah. slow. You play it, Eden Uro, it gets Wrath. But it, but it, it it's drew like, a wrath, It's like right? Jund, right? Like, it's so slow. Like, you need to put immense pressure, and then it's, like, nice cleanup, but if, like, you don't have any pressure, it kind of just does nothing, and they just kill you with other stuff but but it feels good if they if they use a wrath on that right i mean i I, I think that's still a win for the most part yeah like i i feel like the the card itself that's like that card is great i mean like even even against the non-aggro decks like you're just still being annoying by offsetting their uro count or you know like 
blanking Elspeth targets death or Elspeth targets death. <laughs> Elspeth conquers death. <laughs> it, it feels like scavenging just does something at all, like in every matchup. So I kind of like it. <sighs> well, any other standard thoughts or should we uh, move on to other topics? All right, so we're going to get to fish mail in a minute, but quick uh, side road before we get to fish mail. Uh, Krim, you were telling me precast that uh, that you uh, ate something interesting on stream, and actually I uh, I did as well. We did the, the pizza stream, and I had my first ever experience with anchovies, which, oh boy. <laughs> but uh, but Krim, what did, uh, what did you <laughs> eat on stream recently? So I, I, I guess this past weekend we both had a very adventurous culinary... <laughs> like, well, yeah, culinary and, adventures, and uh, <laughs> and remember, and remember to set the context for this. I don't think, I, at least, I am not a a very adventurous eater. I remember when we went to like the really sweet buffet at GP Vegas last year, and, yeah. and you were like searching out the pizza and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went oh. to a while. Yeah, Richard was like oh roasting us. Like, we went to a buffet. Right, yo, 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 catch this, okay? We go to Vegas, okay? Crib was like, yo, I want to try the most expensive buffet in Vegas. Vegas, okay we're like all right right like we're, we meet up once a year why not right let's go experience the culinary pleasures of the world uh so we go there okay it's like i don't know it's like a hundred bucks a person or 150 bucks a person or something all you can all you can drink right they, like unlimited wine margaritas whatever lobsters seafood galore <laughs> these two guys seek out the french fries and pizza <laughs> and i'm like yo we should just like the shake shack why are we all this money <laughs> i'm like hey. face bombing we went to vegas <laughs> got to like the most expensive buffet and we're eating french fries i'm like we could have just went to mcdonald's <laughs> But in, in all fairness, though, I had crab legs with the pizza, and then <laughs> I had the most random plate. It was like I had a brownie, crab, and like pizza, <laughs> like all in one plate. <laughs> I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, Krim, would you like a black lotus yeah. or a foil to fairy? Huh? Give, huh? Me, the, give me the foil, foil to, to fairy. fairy. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, like over over the weekend, right? We, I decided I was because, like, I think, uh, so I did the fundraiser and one, uh, I did a fundraiser and like for one of the goals, uh, that like for uh, like hitting one of the milestones, uh, I would do a hot wing like kind of like hot sauce challenge, right? And if you've seen like hot ones and things like that, uh, I, I I do enjoy watching that. And so I bought a few of those sauces. I had, I think the sauces I had over the spread was. Scorpion pepper, Carolina Reaper, De Bomb, uh, Last Dab. And these were so spicy. There was so much capsaicin that I think like my gums like were like burnt. <laughs> like, and my <laughs> lips were like raw and on fire. And like, I remember at a point of the stream, I was just slurring words together because I didn't want to, I couldn't just use my mouth to t- like, you know what I mean? I couldn't, my, my, my face felt numb. My face felt numb, and I, it was just hilarious. Like, I mean, I, I, I love spicy food challenges and stuff like that. So, like, like you'll see, like, on Man vs. Food, you know, they'll eat the spicy wings. And I and I enjoy doing all those things. So, uh, that like, yeah, that was a very, 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 very spicy, like, spicy, spicy adventure. I, I think if you watch from the second before I eat, I'm, like, ghost pale white. 
and then I have like two <laughs> bites of my wing, and it's just like I look like I I was I was sunburned. I went to some outdoor music <laughs> festival under the sun for like ten hours straight, and <laughs> I was sweating, and you know like I. <laughs> I, I could like uh, I was like arguing with myself like should I drink this milk I don't need milk and on oh, top you didn't and, even have milk oh, no no I did but I was staring at it I was like winners get milk and I'm only on the first <laughs> wing that winners can't quit now <laughs> so yeah huh so I actually I actually wonder who had it worse then my experience was not so much spicy as fishy and salty <laughs> i don't have 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 either of you ever eaten an anchovy i've spent yeah. the, the weekend trying to figure out why anyone would act, <laughs> like why do they exist why does anyone order them on their pizza uh i had never eaten anchovies before and it, i guess it was even worse than anchovies because it was like a pineapple bacon anchovy uh hot pepper pizza uh so it had all kinds of just absolutely horrible toppings on it mixed together like stuff that probably shouldn't go together all mixed together but the anchovy was definitely the thing that dominated that pizza and i almost i almost vomited on stream it was very close <laughs> i almost didn't get it down and I I did it though, and I, I did get through it, which I'm I'm pretty happy about. But I I really don't get it, like why that is something that is even on the menu at pizzerias. But but you guys said you've eaten it before. What do yeah. you think of anchovies? I I think the saltiness of it is just what like makes me kind of not into it. It's just like wow, I I I legitimately feel like I just drank a glass of ocean water, <laughs> right? Like it's just like what is going on here? And I I like seafood. I enjoy seafood. I enjoy all that stuff, but like, and like, I, so like all the weird textures of like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if you thought the texture of anchovy was weird. I was okay with that. Uh, I was just not okay with the like salt level. I'm the salt so curious really now. High. Have you I, not I'm had so it? I'm so curious. I've never had anchovy pizza. I've never met anyone who enjoys it or has even tried it like it's I, like there must be some pocket somewhere where like everyone just eats anchovy pizza right or it's the greatest marketing ploy ever because i've never seen anyone eat anchovy pizza except for ninja turtles like that's it, right? so i'm not i am not sure but i'm actually kind of curious how bad could it be hmm. i I thought it was really. Does, you does should, the cheese you and sauce it. not like drown out whatever flavor oh, the anchovy? No, 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 no. The anchovy, the anchovy drowns out everything else. It is very strong. I think even like so, I put like one anchovy, uh, a per slice, basically. At least is how the pizza that uh, that we got on stream was, and the entire slice of pizza, even once the actual anchovy is gone, it just like seeps out into it, and the whole slice tastes anchovy-ish. Oh, oh, it's so bad. But you, you should try it and film yourself. <laughs> if there's anything that makes me feel better, so uh, I, I, I'll I, tell you this though: I will hundred percent do that over eating, uh, you know, things spicy things that humans should not be eating, right? <laughs> like if you rub it in your eye, you might go blind. Maybe you shouldn't put it in your stomach. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. But I feel like Seth just had like, you know, an hour of torture. Maybe you throw up. You're done. I think Krim paid for his choices, like, for several days after. I've been busy, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I can tell you that it's, it was, but it was good, right? Like, there's that spice level where, like, I'm on fire, definitely, but I enjoy it in a weird way. It was, it was just, it still was flavorful. 
uh, somewhat. Like <laughs> so, so the person that enjoys flaming spicy wings that causes problems also enjoys standard. Okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> maybe there's a there's a pattern here. Uh, yeah, I think I think I came out ahead. If I had to do it again, I, I don't do well with spicy stuff. So even though I swore I will never eat another anchovy, if I had to choose between anchovies and uh, and the wing sauce that you had, I would probably take the anchovy again. I, I mean, you won't until you try it, right? Well, well, how about that? We'll chalk it down as maybe next time we all meet up. That's that's when we'll we'll try it again. I'll bring hot sauce. Don't worry. Oh, I'll oh, redo it. Maybe, maybe yeah. Next time. Next time. We have the next Grand Prix Vegas, which is going to happen this year. We can have uh, a, a pizza hot wing party. Oh, Anchovy man. pizza and uh, eat Drenched atomic sauces. <laughs> and then you can get your card signed by Seth in the bathroom. As, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe we'll have to do that in the, in, last, in the last day. The last day of Vegas, maybe. So uh, <laughs> so we don't ruin the whole event. But that that would be fun. Yeah, we should actually we should do that. <laughs> Uh, all right, enough about food. We got lots of fish mail this week, and we actually have uh, some time this week to uh, give you some answers. So, Richard, fish mail us. All right. At Bicycle, whenever Mill is in a set, there's at least one person remarking that new players love Mill. Does this info come from somewhere, or is it backed up by any evidence? Do you as new players, or did you as new players, love Mill? I mean, hmm. I, I've I've always been fascinated with it. But I've also known that it just never works. I don't remember personally loving Mill, although I think the evidence, I would say, would be stuff that you see just on, like, Reddit or social media where it's something that people bring up. And also, if you look at, like, budget magics through history, I think the, the one of the most popular ones uh, that we've ever done is just a random budget blue mill deck, which I don't even think it was good for the most part. It was just like, okay. But uh, it's, people just love it. Like, people watch it and click on it and enjoy it. I think my theory is that when you start playing magic, you learn, oh, it's about getting your opponent's life total down to zero. And then mill is like the most common alternate win condition. So players have this like, aha moment where they're like whoa i can win games of magic in a way other than just like attacking my opponent's life total and and then you go through this like mill phase where you're like i gotta like achieve this accomplishment and that's kind of like your your pathway into all the different ways that you can actually win a game of magic yeah 100 agree I, I mean when i first started i was in love with the card traumatized right like that card was just like it was so funny to me and like you know what what's the other torment legendary that mills uh, not Laquatus, uh, Ambassador something, Ooh. right? It might be Laquatus. Did you just, like, pay three and mill three or something yeah, like that? Yeah, like, I was like, woo! Yeah. You know, like, the idea of just, like, throwing cards off the top of their library, and it's, like, totally random? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't know, maybe I hit something good. <laughs> something so about I'm, it just feels fun, right? Like, it's yeah, just a I, funny I'll one way. up you. That, that last point you said was very true. So, as a kid, I played Millstone. Not to mill you out, but just to mill your Sarah Angel out of your deck. (laughs) You were just like, oh, it's in your graveyard. Gotcha. Mission accomplished. Like, that was it, right? And, you know, we didn't know anything about game theory and card advantage or whatever. We were like, ha, you don't have a Sarah Angel now, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, for the same reason why Watsy, you know, like, random discard or, uh, oh, remember... 
what was that Hearthstone card where it like mills like half your deck or something? And then people are like, oh, you know, but you just milled all your win cons out or something. You know, like it's just when you mill stuff into the graveyard, it feels really bad, even though it's the same as if it was just in another random spot in your deck. But it just feels really bad and new players don't like it. And then so when you do it to someone else, it feels really good. Right? Where you yeah. mill their Uro, you're like, gotcha, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's not so good nowadays, but definitely like before, if you, you're you like, haha, nice Sarah Angel, nice, you know, single Etherling, right? Like, we got him. <laughs> I mean, obvi- obviously that doesn't line up with the math because you're milling random stuff but yeah, yeah. as you said it's, it's not about it's not about the logic it's about a uh, feeling like you got your opponent but really like what you don't think of and why mill isn't good is for every time that you mill the sarah angel there's also the time when you like milled two dead land drops and your opponent drew the sarah angel so yeah but so you're admitting to deck thinning <laughs> <laughs> you ac- accidentally deck thin your opponent which is why mill is bad yes. well, yeah which is why deck thinning yourself is good right so you get to the good cards in your deck. <laughs> yeah, so you play Millstone and thin your deck out with it. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. Logan loves racing. I've been noticing that Pioneer challenges on Moto are failing to fire. And there have been uh, discussions on social media if this format has a place in competitive magic. Is Pioneer actually dying or does it just need a shakeup? What's going on with Pioneer? Is no one playing Pioneer anymore? I mean, I play it. But the thing here is <laughs> I, I think that it does... Like, some of the things, the interactions that are going on in the the format are a bit annoying, right? Like, the Lotus Breach stuff. It does need a shakeup, considering that uh, Watsy was supposed to be aggressively keeping an eye on, like, you know, what is legal in the format, what isn't. And, you know, I they haven't really been paying attention to it at all. So, so yes. I, I don't want to say Pioneer's dying. I don't think it's dying. I think Pioneer is going to stick around, but... It, has gotten a lot less popular than it was like six months ago and uh, for me I think there's like kind of a perfect storm of things happened to reduce his popularity. Uh, one is Modern was really bad when Pioneer was announced. That was like Oko, uh, Urza, slash Karn for Mycosynth Lattice Modern, which was just absolutely miserable. So Pioneer looked good by comparison, but then Modern got the some of the most miserable cards banned and improved. Historic has gotten a lot more popular in the last few months, so that's kind of like competing. We also had Theros Beyond Death unleash all these combo decks. Got a Crim mentioned Lotus Breach. There's also the Heliod combo. There's also Dumir Inverter combo that just kind of dominated the format and made it feel like modern without the deck diversity. Like you're still going to lose to combo decks or play against combo decks all the time, but you can't play a million different decks. Uh, so I feel like there's a whole bunch of things that kind of like, oh, and also uh, the pandemic with paper magic uh, kind of not being playable. That's where Pioneer was really taking off. I've been talking to some people that are saying before the pandemic hit, I had like 50 people showing up to play Pioneer FNM. Like, it was doing so well. And I don't think those players have necessarily transferred over to Magic Online, and it's not on Magic Arena. So I feel like all those things came together in a short period of time and really reduced the interest in the format. Maybe once Paper Magic, like, starts happening again, that'll help and it'll uh, pick back up. But for now... It's still there, but I definitely think it has declined in popularity a lot. Yeah, that that I definitely also I totally forgot about that too. Like, it was mostly just big on paper, right? Like, it was big for paper formats, and uh, yeah, we just haven't had paper magic to kind of support it, and it definitely feels that way. But like, if they also just like 
do away with like the whole combo thing like I mean, the combos right now just make it so that there's, like, only three decks in the meta. The reason why it was so popular in the beginning was because you could play whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would go a long ways. And also, eventually, it will be on Arena, which theoretically would be a boost in popularity if they kind of take care of the combo decks. But for me, personally, that's the biggest the biggest reason that I play Pioneer less is I feel like if I'm going to play against combo, I might as well just play Modern. Like, I liked Pioneer because I felt like I wasn't losing to combo on turn four consistently, but then Pioneer ended up becoming kind of the same thing. So it's like, yeah, I might as well, might as well just go back to playing modern then. Yeah. Do you think Watsi will hold their word and push out Pioneer onto Arena? I, I feel since that announcement has been made, it's like a lot of push towards historic and the popularity of the format and also with Pioneer dying that maybe Wizards is just like, oh, no one plays Pioneer anymore, guys. We'll just we'll just focus on historic because it's doing really well. All our numbers show all the players like playing it. And yeah. Do you think they'll they'll do that? Because I feel like that's the trend. Like that's the trend, right? Like Pioneer's going down, Historic's going up. What is the reason for supporting Pioneer on on Magic Arena, right? It, it was a big deal when everyone loved Pioneer. If no one's talking about Pioneer, like what is the point? I mean, it, it just needs a little stop bit of with Brawl. Yeah. Yeah, Brawl was just not even a thing. So, yeah, like uh, if Brawl made its way on there, then I think Pioneer definitely still would. And and yeah, like Seth mentioned, it's not on Arena right now, and there's no paper events to support it. So, naturally, people are going to just kind of ignore it, right? I think they I think they still will because they've mentioned recently, I think with some of uh, like one of the Jumpstart articles mentioned that it was partly uh, getting new cards on the client that will be used for pioneers. So they have mentioned it more recently than the one announcement saying they were doing it. So it sounds like that's still the plan. Although I think it is a fair question because I, I used to think that once pioneer got on arena, uh, historic would just die, but I've definitely changed my tune on that. And I think best case, both formats will be played in popular on arena. And if it did come down to choosing between the two formats, I honestly think they might choose Historic at this point. All right, next question. QDig, I know you've talked about this before without consensus. How you define a fair deck based on the turn it can win by, overall win percentage, hurt feelings by the loser who felt they didn't have a chance because it felt, quote-unquote, unfair? Um, For for me, I think, well, like, what fair magic just... It's just like, how would I describe it? It just feels like how when you'd play against, like, a Jun deck... Or, or just like a simple land go control deck that just like plays one threat. Like the threats and the way you lose aren't to like something like a combo deck. They, they aren't, you're not losing to some ridiculous interaction where you can't, or like some card you can't interact with. Like let's just say feel of the dead. You know, you can't really efficiently interact with the land. So uh, I look at fair magic as just a, a, a something like I play a bunch of things on, on a normal curve. That you can enter, like you can actually like deal with with like normal answers, while also just being like, I don't know, like the like the the interaction itself isn't too powerful. It isn't like, uh, like how like Nissa and all of that feels, and like Oko. Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually really tricky. I think speed is definitely part of it. I feel like if you're winning on like turn eight or something, you can't be considered an unfair deck. Like no, yeah. even if you're winning with some sort of combo. So I think. I think speed does play, I think that's the biggest factor for me. How quickly does your deck end the game? Uh, I think 
it has to also include some sort of combo, just winning quickly with, like, uh, I don't know, mono-red aggro or the mono-black. Like, sure, you can win quickly with mono-black knights in standard if you stick a, a, a demonic embrace on a rotting regisar, you win on, like, turn whatever, four or something. Like, but that, uh, that doesn't necessarily make it an unfair deck. So I think it's the speed that it wins. It has to have a combo. And then I also think what you mentioned about interaction does play a part in it. Although that's where it gets hard because, like, uh, the goblin combo. Uh, with Snoop and Kiki Jiki, normal interaction does stop that, but it's still like a Splinter Twin style combo, so I think it still counts as unfair. But I do think the way you interact with it does play into it as well. Like, can you interact with this with normal interactive spells like creature removal spells that you would typically have in your deck, or do you need like a really specific like storm combo? You need a really specific, not even the normal counter spell necessarily stops it. You need like a mind break trap or something. So I feel like uh, how many answers hits it also plays into it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's. It's like what you consider closest to limited, I think, would be fair magic, where the expectation is you're going to interact with your opponent, meaning you're going to try to deal with their board, they're going to try to deal with your board, and you're mostly interacting on the battlefield as opposed to on the stack, uh, in the graveyard, and things like that. And then, so using these definitions, I would consider like the, the Splinter Twin style decks like fairish. They're, they're, they're more fair to me than say Bant Ramp, where you're just like super friend decks are technically fair, I believe, but they feel totally unfair in the sense that none of your removal works. Uh, and you're just like racing against them, right? Like you're just racing and you're not caring about what they do and things like that. So. Yeah, I think it's it's like what what is closest to limited to me, and that's like traditional Jun style decks. Uh, and then the the only thing that would be slightly different would be like controlish decks where they're still playing removal, but they also interact on the stack. But things like uh, Etherworks Marvel or uh, things like that, where you're just like, I don't care what you're doing, I'm just gonna try to execute my game plan. And then the only thing, the only reason I interact with you is because you have like a hate card or something stopping me. Other than yeah. that, I don't care about your creatures or anything. I'm just going to go to your face and kill you uh, as fast as I can. Pretty much, yeah, like how, how close you are to solitaire will determine like if you're playing fair magic or not, right? I, I would say so. Like, I mean, if, if your game plan is just, haha, I'm going to do all of this and I don't care about interacting with you in any way, shape or form, that probably means that you're doing some kind of game plan that is a little broken. Uh, all right, next question, Gus98. Hello, Fish Crew. I want to ask, since it's been a year on this only uh, one plane per set style, what are your thoughts on it? Also, which planes do you want to revisit and which new concepts of planes you'd like to see since we have more options per year now? <laughs> I I want to see Lorwyn because I just... I, I know that that probably isn't likely now with Eldraine's release because... I really just want to see fairies again, like, and actually have them be viable. Uh, and then, and I also wouldn't mind seeing, uh, Kamigawa again. But, and then for my plane that I'd like to explore, I don't, I don't know about this, but, or how people feel about it, but I do want to see space. <laughs> Whoa, that's, Whoa. that's out there. Right? Like, like actually seeing the multiverse even, like, 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 not, not like the, the, the planes that are in the multiverse, but like the spaces in between. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know about, I don't know about the one set block thing, honestly. Like, I think it's fine. I don't have any, any, uh, 
like huge criticism of it and it is cool to get to see a bunch of different worlds but i will say i do kind of miss like having the first set of the block come out in the fall and then being like oh like yes we don't have all the pieces for this yet but i I wonder what'll build on it next set like what'll work with this when we get the next set of the block or how does the story continue so i feel like it's a little bit more disjointed obviously than it used to be and i feel like it also as far as like card design uh it forces wizards to push these like really strong block constructed decks if you make food and you know there's no follow-up to Eldorain, you got to make sure if you want there to be a playable food deck you got to make that all happen in one set so i feel like it it really restricts the amount of space for some of those mechanics and if those mechanics ended up being really good they don't end up changing at all because you don't get more food carts in the next set because that was the Eldorain thing and there's no second Eldorain set so i think overall i'm fine with it but there are some aspects of it that i i don't enjoy as much I think I would like to see uh, maybe like a Viking theme set, uh, just because of the beards. I, I they're trying to think like <laughs> what world will give me the best the best bearded characters, and it's probably like some sort of Norse Viking type thing. And for return to uh, New Phyrexia, I want to see what happened uh, post New Phyrexia uh, in that world. Even though I'm a little scared of going back to an artifact world again because that usually ends badly. But outside of that concern, I would like to see what happened to New Phyrexia. Yeah, I. I want to see new worlds. I don't want to see return to old worlds. Like, I don't know. Like, every return to old world has been a miss for me. Uh, starting, like, all the way back from, like, Battle for Zendikar. Even, like, return to Theros is, like, blah. Like, to me, Eldraine was much more exciting. Uh, so I like to see new worlds. Space world would be interesting. I don't know what you would do in it. <laughs> uh, but that sounds intriguing. Um, I, I'm digging Return to New Phyrexia just because of collector's boosters. Like I like I really want that Elish Norn Phyrexian uh text card, oh, also cool. the swamp. So I'd imagine they do a lot more of those. So that yeah. would be super interesting. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be really yeah, cool. Yeah, more Phyrexian like promos would be cool. Uh and, and yeah. like maybe get like a, a black red Phyrexian based Koth. Because I think that's where Koth was last seen, right? He was left on Koth New Phyrexia. Koth is dead, isn't he? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure. But I mean, is anybody really know. dead? You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think I think he is really dead. <laughs> like yeah. I think all of the magic characters that died have actually died, except you know, when you die on Theros where it's known to have an underworld. But I like, mean Fencer's Elspeth has conquered death, so you know, I feel like you you, <laughs> you can too. <laughs> Alright. Koth conquers death. Yep. Bring back mono red. <laughs> Honestly though, like like it would be cool, right? Like you get to see a red black Phyrexian Koth. I'm just scared of what Praetors they'll print or like what <laughs> like what crazy Phyrexian finishers there, there will be. Jin attacks set five. Of. Everything is just Infect. like a... <laughs> Now you can give infect counters, like actual counters that give the infect mechanic. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, last question. L. Brian Patrick, is Thoughtseize too powerful for a reprint in Standard? What about Path to Exile? Thoughtseize is not too powerful. I think Thoughtseize would be just fine. Uh, I mean, you, you, you could even make it, like, I think you'd have to make it Phyrexian mana. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> what? Like, because, cause honestly, it, like, just the idea behind discard now, right? Like, the, the idea behind it just doesn't feel great. There is no one key part of Bant. It's not like, I took your Uro, you'll never see, you'll never get back in the game, right? Like, it's like... Everything is redundant in these Bant decks, and there is no one piece that you're looking to get rid of. 
all the cards are good. And this card doesn't stop top decks unless you've got three fairy. And that's the only way you're stopping top decks, right? So it, it feels kind of just like here, I thought erasured you. All right, cool. You still drew another planeswalker. Looks like I died. If you had asked me this like two years ago, I would say definitely too powerful. I don't want it back in standard about both of those cards, honestly. But asking me this today, uh, I actually think that path would be fine. And uh, Thoughtseize is probably fine too. Like, kind of based on the theory of what Grim is saying. Like, cards are just so good and decks are so redundant and. Uh, the ability to generate card advantage comes attached to everything. I think Thoughtseize would still be played, but I'm not worried about it being the best card in the format like it was back in, like, Mono Black Devotion era. Yeah, like, like if, if it were they made a new Thoughtseize and it were one mana and it did what Thought Erasure did, like, it, I think it would still just be... It'd still get played, but I don't think it'd be too powerful. I So I don't think they'd be, like, warping the metagame, but I think it does further power creep, right? Like... Think of the creatures we have today based on the removal we have. We don't even have Path to Exile, right? Like, I guess Fatal Push is our closest one. Yeah, but now if you print Path, (laughs) then your creatures must be even more powerful to overcome the disadvantage of getting Paths, right? So now they got to come in and, like, do two ETBs so that you don't get two for one. You know what I mean? So it just furthers power creep. And I I think Thoughtseize and Aggro decks would be too strong. Aren't we already there? No, because they they cost too much, right? Like, you can't play a two mana Thoughtseize because you haven't developed a board, so you can't do anything, right? The idea is you like one drop, two drop, three drop Thoughtseize, right? Or Thoughtseize, two drop, three drop, kill them. Uh, if you're doing mid rangey things, yeah, Thoughtseize is totally useless, right? Like, if you Thoughtseize and they don't kill them, yeah, they're gonna turn five Nissa you anyway. But if you just curve out with the Thoughtseize, like take that one Shatter or that one Teferi, then they're gonna die. So I don't know how you would balance it. Well, uh, I, I more so meant like, aren't we already there with the creatures and the sword, like path part? Like, I mean, like, imagine you have to answer Uro. Uro just got you two lands. I, I don't, I don't know. Yes, if path- but imagine if you can path the rotting register with demonic embrace now, right? Like those decks, like, have no chance whatsoever. Right now, you can Nissa untap land. Uh, Teferi, Bounce, followed by a path. Like, you literally can't interact anymore if you give a path to those decks, right? Right. Even, even the aggro decks right now, like the, the answers and like all, all that stuff, like, can you really be that aggressive? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Thought Seize would uh, make it so that aggro can curve out and just like completely dunk you because I mean, I've had some crazy curve outs on an aggro deck and just can't get around Uro and or like the things that follow. It's just all right. We'll change it to him to Torak. That's a thought seize, okay? You, yeah. <laughs> you discard a card at random for the first card, and then the second card you get to thought seize him, okay? That would be good. Okay, that that's good. I would be down with that. But then that'd be way too broken. <laughs> I mean, we have that, right? Isn't that stupor? But it's three mana. Would would that two mana be too good? Yes. <laughs> all right. How about how about one and two Phyrexian? <laughs> <laughs> so one mana cool all right oh geez death shadow and modern would love that yeah uh yeah but i don't know you have to play them early like with a tap land in standard and like i don't know you can't these two or three mana discard spells are like super feels bad right because your opponent you know they can just top deck whatever every card they play is a two for one if you spent two mana you didn't play a threat so you're already behind so they got to be like pretty efficient uh and then they got to be good enough 
to get you an advantage, but not so good that like everyone just plays like, you know, thought season a pack rat, you're dead, right? Like, hmm. does that line even kill you in 2020 though? <sighs> thought season a pack rat, like that's <laughs> that's just what I mean. Like it's like it just the, the the powerful interactions that you're afraid of when a deck curved out, right? Like back then, just feels like I don't know a limited deck at points here, right? It's like all right. Very cool. All right. Tune in. Tune into Goat Magic tomorrow, where we may have answers to some of these questions. <laughs> a little, a little, a little spicy preview for for our podcast viewers <laughs> or listeners. All right, uh, that's all the time we have for fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail. You can send in fish mail to at MTG Goldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 284 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. You get 10% off over at cardconduit.com slash goldfish, and we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So, until then... Have a wonderful week, and this is the crew signing out.